You're listening to Beer Prime, episode 63, featuring XL Brewing Co. Hello, thanks for joining me again for another episode of Beer Prime. Later on, I'll be joined by Josh Walker, the head brewer of East London's Exhale Brewery. We'll be talking about how they started up, Josh's involvement, their place on the Black Horse Beer Mile, and much, much more. Before we head over to speak with Josh, we'll see what's going on in the craft beer world. We'll start with brewery closures. Over the last few episodes, I've reported on the sad news of breweries going under, which has been way too many for my liking. The good news on this episode, however, is that there have been no reported closures since I last updated you a couple of weeks ago. Whilst this is indeed good news, I must warn that there will surely be some more closing soon. It's not like the tide has turned. There are massive pressures on all breweries at present, large and small alike, and with more potentially expensive issues arising later this year, we are likely to see those notifications returning. On the upside, I have heard from several people in the industry that January was not the awful month that it usually is. Perhaps people are getting out there and doing all they can to support their locals and independents. Another way you can help is to sign a new petition to make the draft drink relief 20%. The government is planning a 5% relief which, whilst welcome, is not enough, only around two to three pence per pint. Introducing a 20% discount would mean something like eight to 11 pence per pint and should help boost the brewing and pub industry amidst the cost of living crisis and recovery from the pandemic, reversing needless decline. Go to petition.parliament.uk slash petitions slash 632522 that's 632522 to sign that petition or if you just want a link then go to my twitter feed at beerprimeuk and a tweet that i retweeted from jack hobday of anspassion hobday with the link to that petition and i retweeted that on the 8th of february so go and have a look at that if you just fancy clicking on a link and not putting in a whole load of uh, words into your browser. Okay then, so uh, news of collaborations in the craft beer world are not at all uncommon. And you could fill up an entire hour of a podcast just mentioning those that are on the horizon. However, I do want to mention one that has launched today from South London's Orbit Beers and Devon-based Utopian Brewing. The beer they have come together to make is a Baltic Porter at 7.4% ABV, which promises a deep richness, caramel and chocolate aromas, with a flavor of licorice and dried fruits. A dry finish will surely make it a very drinkable beer. The collaborating head brewers, Paul Spraggett of Orbit and Jeremy Swainson of Utopian, have used mostly British-grown malts, bullion UK hops, and Utopian's House Lager Yeast. Available on both breweries' websites, many bottle shops that stock their beers, and at Orbit's taproom on their launch event, 
on Saturday, 11th of February. Plus, there's a chance to sample the beer along with others from Orbit and Utopian as both breweries stage a tap takeover at the Southampton Arms in London's Kentish Town next Tuesday the 14th. Yes, Valentine's Day. And I'm gonna finish with Elusive Brewing's Brave Noise launch last Saturday the 4th of Feb at a hoppy place in Maidenhead. I made the trip around the M25 to Maidenhead to visit the bar where they were having the launch. Sadly, a miscommunication between myself and a hoppy place owner, Dave Hayward, about the start time meant that I arrived a few hours after there'd been a Q&A with the brewers about the beer. A great shame as I would have been very interested to hear that. However, the beer was still pouring and Elusive's Andy Parker was still there along with Lucy and Mike from Double Barreled. I grabbed a half of Brave Noise, which I very much enjoyed by the way, and chatted with the brewers. Moving on to two other Elusive beers, Oregon Trail on cask and Mind of Winter, an excellent 6.8% India Porter. The last beer I got from the bar was another classic, also on cask, Siren's Broken Dream. It wasn't the last beer I had though. A Maidenhead local called Matt approached our table to have a chat and had with him a bottle of his homebrew smoked porter, which he gave to Andy. We got some glasses and had a taster right there and then, and it was a really good beer, not too heavy handed with the smokiness. In my opinion, it was very well balanced and at, I believe, something like 7% ABV, very drinkable indeed. But back to the reason for the trip, the Brave Noise beer. As mentioned in the news section a few episodes back, the Brave Noise project was inspired by the reaction to an Instagram post from Brienne Allen back in May 2021, asking, have you ever experienced sexism in the beer industry? Brave Noise's aim is for a safe and discrimination-free beer industry. Have a look at bravenoisebeer.com for more details. The elusive Brave Noise beer is a 4.5% West Coast Pale featuring Mosaic, Talus, and Sabro hops kindly donated by Bathhouse X. Proceeds from the sale of the beer, plus 30% of a Hoppy Place's profits on the beer, will go to the Coven to help fund their wellness officer program and make beer festivals safer for all. Okay, it's nearly time to hear from Exile Brewing, but first, let's hear all about our sponsor, White Ribbon UK. White Ribbon is the UK's leading charity engaging men and boys to end violence against women and girls. Many women in the UK craft beer industry are experiencing this violence in many forms, including sexual assault, sexual harassment, sexism and misogyny. It is not their problem to fix, it's the responsibility of us men. Me, you, your friends, your family. Here's White Ribbon trustee, Dr. Stephen Burrell. The fundamental idea is to get men to reflect on the role we can play in trying to prevent violence against women and girls in society from happening in the first place. Recognising that we as men and boys actually have a really positive part to play in challenging that kind of uh, violent and abusive behaviour towards women, which we can see is still far too prevalent in society. But obviously there's lots and lots of men who would never dream of using any kind of violence and therefore th those of us who are totally opposed to this perhaps could and should be doing more to speak out about it. White Ribbon does provide an avenue in which men can do something about it and can play a positive role in being part of the solution. 
So if you feel that you want to be part of that solution, head over to the White Ribbon UK website at www.whiteribbon.org.uk and make the White Ribbon promise never to use, excuse or stay silent about men's violence against women. Maybe even sign up as an ambassador or a champion too. Let's help make the craft beer world a safe place for women. Okay, so I am now joined by Josh Walker, who is the head brewer of Walthamstow's Exhale Brewing Co. Hi, Josh. How are you doing? Hi. Yeah, yeah. Great. Really happy to be here. So. Excellent. Well, thank you for giving up your time this evening. Much appreciated. Before we get started, I do need to crack open the first beer, and I'm going to start low. I'm going to start with uh, your 2.8% micro IPA called Dinky. So um, perhaps you can tell us a little bit about this beer. Yeah, so Dinky's probably one of the sort of more recent additions to like our range. We started brewing it. We did a few trial batches that uh, were under a few different kind of names earlier on in 2022. And we started to call it Dinky in about May, like last year, once we kind of settled on a recipe that we were really happy with. I guess we call it a micro IPA because it's got a, a very kind of like fruit forward, like a hot profile. I guess you could kind of call it a table beer, but yeah, we thought that one thing that um, yeah our range could maybe do with, or it was a bit lacking in at the time, was a beer that yeah you could have a pint and drive on it, something mm. that you could have on your lunch break and not really feel too too guilty about kind of like having a beer on your lunch, that kind of yeah. thing. Yeah, we really love sort of like big hoppy fruit forward pale ales exhale. So we we make a lot of those kind of beers, and so we we wanted to kind of make a, a sessionable low ABV kind of version of one of those. In terms of uh, what's in the beer, we have quite a lot of wheat and oats. We have about, um, we've got about 10% oats, 20% wheat in the grist, which is a kind of r- relatively kind of high amount of, of those grains in a, in a sort of grist profile. And we um, mash, it, mash it very high, about 69 degrees, just to try and keep a lot of unfermentable sugars in there, um, mm. keep some body in the beer. The hops we use are a combination of New Zealand and American hops. We use like Motuega, Raquel, um, and there's a little bit of Simcoe that we've got in there as well, um, which I think kind of gives it quite a nice kind of tropical, maybe slightly stone fruit sort of uh, character to the beer. Yeah, absolutely um, does. But yeah, what do you think, Paul? Like, yeah. Mm. It's, uh... <laughs> no, you're quite right. Absolutely. Um, um, as you say, it's got a nice body to it for something at 2.8. Um, definitely very tropical flavour. Loving the aroma, yeah, it's it's really nice. Nice. I think like it took us yeah a couple of of test batches to sort of re- really settle on was it's quite difficult to kind of get body in such low ABV beer. Like I think they, they generally a lot of table beers tend to be quite light body. It's perhaps kind of erring on watery. So we spent a lot of time just trying to sort of dial in a recipe that would sort of give us a, a reasonable amount of unfermented sugars at the end of uh as in the finished product yeah and it's kind of translate to it still kind of having the kind of full mouthfeel that we kind of like in a lot of those kind of like hazy new england style sort of beers mm. yeah um yeah that's pretty that's pretty much what what we did with the recipe and Fantastic. um yeah it's it's um i i'm really happy it's probably the beer that i the pale beer that i drink the most of in our core range Working in a brewery, it's like I, I drink quite a lot of beer and often if I finish a day, I don't want to drink something very strong. I kind of want like a, a kind of very easy drinking, very low ABV thing that I can have a pint of. So, like, yeah. 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 Excellent. Um, well, that's great. Well, it certainly does the trick. 
so let's talk a little bit about yourself, Josh. Uh, where did you, you've got some brewing background before Excel. So talk us through your brewing history. Oh yeah, sure. So like I was an avid home brewer for like, for many years before I kind of started brewing professionally. So I, I started home brewing sort of way back in like, sort of like 2010, I think I started getting interested in it. I think I did my, my first batch of beer in sort of like 2011 after reading up about it a little bit. I guess I kind of got interested in making beer through being interested in food and wine and other things that you eat and taste really nice. And so um, I enjoy cooking a lot. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm also a big fan of wine. I like having a go at making things that you might not necessarily make in your house, you know, like cheese or ice cream. And, oh, you make, you know, you make your own mess. cheese, yeah? Uh, yeah, not so much anymore, but I've, I've done that in the past. I had a few goes and um, I like making a mess in the kitchen. So like, <laughs> so yeah, at the time, I think there wasn't uh, the kind of range of craft beer that's available sort of these days. And it, what was available tended to be quite expensive. And I, I really enjoyed going out and having it when I could, but it wasn't something that I'd kind of consume regularly. And I kind of, you know, with wine, you need very, very good quality grapes, but with beer, you're kind of like inputs you know, like are, are roughly the same. You can get good quality sort of malt over the internet. You can get kind of pretty good quality hops. Like, and I could make something that was as good as what I was drinking in, in some pubs, like in, in my house. Mm-hmm. So I did that for a few years and I joined a homebrew group in London called London Amateur Brewers, where I met a lot of other people who have kind of gone on to have careers in the brewing industry. So um, the first two meetings I attended, I met Andy Parker from Elusive Brewery, yeah. uh, who who had uh, just won won a prize for like one of one of his IPAs. So um, it was great meeting you know other people who were much more knowledgeable than me about different aspects of brewing at that club, and who kind of encouraged me to make better beer. Like every week, we would kind of bring beers in and I think what I really liked was like a, a lot of members wouldn't necessarily bring beers in just to get a pat on the back and have people say oh this tastes really nice you know people would bring beers in that they they maybe weren't so happy with or that they kind of wanted to be criticized and oh, like right. the, the the sort of kind of atmosphere of the the club at the time was very much like how, how can we all you know help each other improve and become kind of better at better at brewing and better at what we do um yeah. I think that's the best way, isn't it, really? Because if everybody just tastes a beer, let's say, that uh, is not at its best and just says, oh, yeah, that's that's wonderful, just to sort of be nice, it's not really helping. Because yeah. if, you, if you don't find out what you're doing wrong to re- be able to rectify it, if you think everybody's happy with what you're what they're tasting, you'll never be a better brewer. Exactly. And, you know, like, you know, people, it's, it's, it's great people complimenting your beers and it's, yeah, like, but like, ultimately, I, I uh, even to this day, I, if I bring beers to other colleagues in the industry and other brewers, I'll kind of, I'll always say, like, please be brutal, like, be like, you yeah, know, if you've got any, like, I'd much rather have constructive criticism than somebody just say, oh, that's kind of nice. Because, <laughs> like, um, yeah, because yeah, it helps you be better. But um, yeah, I guess uh, that, that was kind of, kind of how I got into brewing, but I, how I started uh, brewing professionally was, yeah, in 2015, I, I left my job working in kind of arts and heritage and uh, I went to go and work for, I went to open Brewdog's bar in Soho, which was their biggest bar in London at the time. And I was doing that part-time. And then I also went to go and work for um, a company which no longer exists called Ubrew, 
which was on the beer mile. And, That's right. Um, yeah, it was in the um, old uh, Jamaica Road Industrial Estate, wasn't it? Just by Bone Daddy's. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Right next to Bone Daddy's. That's the yeah. one. Yeah, um, I, I visited a couple of times. Oh, really? Cool. Yeah. Excellent. Like, you know, a lot of people who who um, worked there and who brewed there have gone on to do various other things in the industry, which is which is great. It's quite chaotic, kind of working there at the time, but it was. But I met a lot of a lot of really good people there, so that was that was great. I ran homebrew courses there, just uh, teaching people who had booked onto homebrew courses um, yeah. how to do some more grain recipes. We did some extract recipes. Occasionally, there were some people there who were kind of interested in pursuing it commercially, so it'd be kind of helping them scale up stuff that they'd made. From there, I got offered a job from somebody that I knew at London Brewers Alliance, who went on to work at Brewhouse and Kitchen. Uh, his name is Pete Hodges, and he's now the group head brewer at Brewhouse and Kitchen. So he kind of oh. looks after all of the all of the brewers in that sort of group. <laughs> mm. uh, and I, I worked at their brew pub in Angel in Islington for for a little while which was a really fantastic kind of entry into, into working in a professional brewery because you, know, you, you had some support from, from Pete and from other people in the group, but you were also very much left to your own devices as the person in that brew pub. Yeah, um, yeah. So we get, a, a like, bit of autonomy to tinker with things yourself. Yeah, absolutely. So we, we, we kind of had seven cast beers and you'd get given a style and an ABV, but beyond that, it was kind of up to you to develop those recipes uh which is fantastic because mm. like yeah you have, have a little bit of guidance but you've also got yeah some some quite a lot of free reign to you know somebody says brew a six percent ipa there's a a very wide variety of stuff that you can make within that <laughs> indeed um, absolutely <laughs> working there was also quite good because um they, they ran experience days for people so you spend a lot of time explaining the how process works and kind of through repeatedly doing that you, you get very good at communicating with with people, I think, about how beer is made, flavors, aromas, those kind of things, which um yeah, which was which is great. <laughs> um but without kind of going through my whole CV, basically from there I worked in some bigger breweries. So like I I um worked at Camden Town for a little while. Um mm-hmm. I worked at Forkure Brewing for a little while. Uh, and I also did some stints uh, in another brew pub called Tap East in Stratford. And I've also worked at Partisan. So like I've kind of worked at quite quite a few London yeah. breweries. All, all, quite, all over the place. <laughs> quite, quite a background. Um, lots, yeah. lots of experience to bring with you to Excel. So, when did you join the team there? Uh, so, I've only I'm, I've been there comparatively recently. So, I joined the team in um, kind of early May, like last year. Mm-hmm. So, it's, yeah, maybe like seven, seven or eight months coming up to like now. Uh, it's been really good so far. Like, I, it's yeah, it's been a lot of fun. Um, uh, yeah, our tap room is like amazing i don't think i've ever ever worked anywhere there's anywhere where there's been such a sort of uh like party atmosphere and mm. <laughs> like when people come and drink there and it's i think mark andy steph a lot of the kind of owners of excel have done a really great job at kind of making it putting it at the center of like a community and like you know people mm. uh people come there with their children sort of like you know early in the afternoon when the tap room's open but it gets like you know there's a real party vibe <laughs> later it gets in the evening which is wonderful yeah. Yeah. yeah excellent um, now i understand that uh the guys that you mentioned there mark and the team started exhale up in december 2019 yeah that's right so yeah literally just before the pandemic yes um, which you know it's a story that i've heard from several uh, breweries as well in the last couple of years that nobody knew it was coming and you start no. up something thinking oh this is going to be great and then literally 
three months later, certainly after Mark and uh, the gang started Exile, shit hit the fan, basically. And, yeah, uh, for sure. That must have been quite difficult for them. Yeah, I mean, like, that's, as you said, it's, I don't think anybody could have uh, anticipated, like, uh, a sort of pandemic that lasted over two years, um, mm. <laughs> sort of sort of happening just before they opened a business. And I think it was it was an extremely challenging time, sort of uh, opening a business then, like like many other businesses like i think they found a lot of kind of ways to adapt like during that period of time so like a lot of other breweries uh, i was actually speaking to our other brewer bruno this morning about kind of what it was like during the pandemic and he was saying like pretty much all of all of the production then just transferred to cans so almost everything that um that we brewed was was kind of packed into can and which is quite a tall order for um a brewery of our size we have a very small canning line we tend now that things are sort of more or less back to normal we don't tend to pack whole batches we tend to do kind of half a batch of can half a batch of keg yeah um and that's like a sort of relatively comfortable day doing like half a tank of cans then coming back the next day to to do the kegging doing a whole tank is like you know 12 13 hour day of wow <laughs> but like packing cans off the line like with how fast our canning line runs so i think um some of those days are very long days but um I think the community in Walthamstow uh, was very supportive of Octel, even though they'd just opened. So we, mm. we sold a lot of cans to people who would come and just pick up. We had They had like a little counter outside the brewery. And um, yeah. I think we also, a lot of bottle shops did quite a good, good trades like over COVID. So we, we would sell a much higher proportion of cans to sort of bottle shops and stuff at that period of time than necessarily we do now. So yeah, yeah, exactly. As you say, adapting to the circumstances, so it's uh, obviously what was needed. So uh, and yeah. it worked, of course, because you come through. I'm loving the designs of the uh, the labels. Um, oh, not yeah. ju- not just the artwork. I mean, the artwork is incredible. We'll come on to the artwork and who does that, but also the fact that they're not your conventional shape. Yes, yes. I mean, obviously, if uh, if people are listening and they've not seen a a can of XL beer before, you know, the majority, vast majority of labels on uh, beer cans are the rectangular dimensions. But uh, these, I mean, I'm looking at the dinky right now, and it literally is just... Like um, a cloud? Yeah, like a cloud. Absolutely, yeah. (laughs) So that was a rebrand that happened... Uh, was that last year as well? A similar kind of time? Uh, no, no, it was this. Oh, sorry. No, it was last year now. I beg your pardon. Yeah, it was, um, <laughs> it was May 2022 that the kind of rebrand happens. And it actually happened oh, like right. okay. a, a week after uh, I joined. We we kind of had a big rebrand party and we kind of launched all the cans in the uh, incarnation that they're in at the moment. Mm. It was, I think there was um, a lot of discussion over over the labels and the kind of shape they should be and texture. Yeah, I know, I know through um, Steph and Mark, and there was a lot of back and forth between um, label manufacturers about, or first of all, trying to get multiple textures onto one label. And yeah. so I think that the, the cloud bit of the label is a sort of rough texture. And it, it, Yeah, it is. Yeah. But, but the name of the beer, Dinky in this case, is smooth. Yes, exactly. So apparently that's not something that's like typically done. And we had to get a, like a plate made that could like put on this textured kind of um this part of the label and then you could have like a gloss in like different parts so um yeah I think that that took a a little while to sort of 
source a, a manufacturer that was willing to do that for us and had the right equipment. Yeah. And I think the other thing probably to say just about the design of the labels is that um so we use like a film called like forest film, which is it's like a biodegradable like film that's made out of like a it's like a polymer that is biodegradable, basically. <laughs> instead, okay. instead of like a plastic. Yeah. Um we're always trying to sort of do stuff that is kind of as sustainable as possible. And I, I think that that was a concern for us was to try and make sure that um either whatever we're putting stuff out in can be is like 100% recyclable or it's going to be biodegradable. So we yeah. want to make sure that our labels were like a part of that as well. Okay, so, fantastic. Yeah. yeah, well, they certainly stand out, that's for oh. sure. Um, <laughs> and, and let's get on to the artist who's responsible for that amazing artwork, not just on the cans, but also the website. So if yes. anybody visits the website, the artwork, that kind of artwork is all over the website. So who yeah. does that? Uh, her name is Inga. She's uh, a local resident of like Walthamstow. Uh, as I understand it, like we, um, yeah, we just did, we put out a little call to sort of like local artists and we did a bit of research into people that we thought would uh, be a good fit for uh, the kind of vibe and the kind of atmosphere that we're trying to convey as, as XL and as a brewery. And um, yeah, I think we, we immediately really liked like Inga's artwork. We thought it was just like really fun. We, like at XL, like we, we try and make the beers that we want to drink and we try not to be too pretentious about it. And we just like want to kind of exude a, a sort of vibe of just, you know, that's relaxed and people can have fun and it has a kind of like party thing going on. So yeah, we, we, we really liked Inga's illustrations. We thought they were kind of like irreverent and fun and kind of yeah. really fit what we were trying to do. Yeah. Um, so we've got um, a dolphin on Scoosh and some ghosts and I, I don't know. Um, yeah. And I think we, I had a couple of meetings with her about doing some stuff, some designs for our core beers that we also use on a bit of our merch and our branding and kind of in the tap room. But we also use her for all our specials. She'll do kind of like one-off pump clips and designs as well. I believe she also does, yeah, she, she is an illustrator that does stuff like elsewhere as well. So she's got her own Instagram channel and stuff. Right. Um, oh, okay. I do not have my phone to hand so i can't plug it unfortunately but like no worries but, i'll i'll put a link in the show notes um cool. I'll, I'll discover those and uh I'll discover her details and put that in there um it's um, very 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 well well worked it just makes the cans stand out not as i say just in the the sense of how that the, the shape and the design of them you know label wise but also the artwork is it's just incredible so it really really stands out yeah, we were we were really happy with it. It's like, and I'm I'm also I'm really happy. We now have like um like a giant dolphin that's on the front of our scoosh can is now like on our cold water tank in the brewery, uh, <laughs> just like looking out over the tap room. So it's really nice. We haven't named him yet. So if anyone in your podcast has got any suggestions, then yeah, <laughs> yeah. Okay, let, let us know. know. Yeah, yeah, indeed. <laughs> So, yeah, looking on your website, you've got a section where you say people and planet first. So as well as mentioning the labels there, as you said, may being made from that forest film, 100% renewable wood-based raw material, fully biodegradable, excellent. But you also uh, mentioned on there about creating apprenticeships and training programs to improve the local employment. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, like... I mean, I guess there are two things. One of them I'm a little bit more knowledgeable about than the other. Um, so like one of our other brewers uh, at Exhale, Bruno, this was like his first brewing job uh, working at Exhale. Yeah, we're, we're yeah, focusing on the development of our staff is like a, a really big thing for us. And one of the first things that we did over the pandemic uh, is we 
San Bruno on uh, a brewery apprenticeship, which is, it's like a year and a half, like course where you kind of learn the fundamentals and then gradually gets more technical, like throughout the course you have, yeah, like a, a range of tutors who are either currently sort of in senior positions in sort of breweries around the country or like have been and have now kind of gone into teaching it's run by a company called hit training. Yeah. He, he did that like over the pandemic and has now finished. It's like a level four apprenticeship, which is kind of, uh, so it would be like equivalent to like the first year of a degree or something like that. And it's a great springboard to then go on and do, uh, sort of high level brewing qualifications, like the Institute of Brewing and Distillings Diploma, for example. Uh, so that's on, on the brewery side, I think, you know, as as we grow uh, the business, that's something that we'd like to do with everybody who kind of works in a production role is sort of ensure that there's a kind of educational elements to to that that's conducive with the experience of whoever whoever comes in. The other uh, thing that I kind of probably uh, am a little bit less knowledgeable about, about is that um, Mark has been in touch with with Waltham Forest Council about setting up like a like a a program for people who might want to work in the hospitality industry and you're creating some sort of certificate or kind of educational elements to sort of preparing people to work uh in hospitality because I think it's um you know maybe something that isn't seen as like a a viable long-term career choice by a lot of people but I think definitely has yeah there is a huge amount of value that you can get from from having a long-term career in hospitality and um we, we wanted to sort of do something about that in in the local area um unfortunately i don't really know the specifics of it very much so i can't really say okay. like any more than that but yeah that's, no that's another aspect <laughs> no worries um, it also mentions uh, several side projects to help your environmental footprint including and so this is something that i find absolutely fascinating and i want to hear more about this Converting any waste beer into sauces and soaps. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, yeah. We, we, we still, we do, we do that. So <laughs> I think this is something that like, we're always trying to find like new projects and n- new kind of ways of using waste materials. And um, yeah, one, one thing that we considered using spent yeast for was to make soap. So we've made like a, a soap from our, we do an iron brew sour called Cranky. And um, we thought it would just, it would be something that we could also just have like a little bit of fun with and like have on the shop to try and uh, make a soap, the iron brew kind of scented yeah. uh, soap. <laughs> so we now have like cranky soap. Because um, who doesn't want to smell like iron brew, eh? Indeed, I mean, right? It's, you just like... <laughs> it's, it's everybody's dearest, deepest wish is to smell like iron brew. I mean, so. I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, Paul, like the, you know, like, you know, the LVMH and the kind of like designer fashion houses of this world have not cottoned onto <laughs> this yet, but like give it no. like two years and the, the concessions and selfridges will be full of iron brew scent. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I, th- I did it first. T- totally agree with you. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But the sauces as well, because I noticed on your website, on your web shop, you've got like a hot sauce. So Indeed, that's made yeah. from the waste beer as well. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's made so like, uh, basically like when, when we when we package beer, um, there's always like, yeah, there's always going to be a bit less left, left over that is like, yeah, like maybe a little bit hazy. Maybe there's still a little bit of yeast in it. Yeah, like that kind of thing that we're not going to like go into keg uh, at the end and stuff. And um uh, Mark one of Verona's really wanted to to kind of find find a use for that. So we kind of reduce some of that and and make it into a hot sauce and we kind of sell that in our shop. Um, we also like we have like food concessions like in our in our tap rooms. So at the moment we've um uh, we've got a concession called Old Hag who make like Scottish street foods and they use uh, a lot of like waste beers. They use like the 
waste beer from our lager they're using their batter <laughs> and stuff like that ah, so okay. so yeah any any sort of use we can find for that kind of thing we're always kind of like thinking of new ideas and new ways to use that kind of stuff right, okay so you said there's like scottish food yes and they use yes. the batter did they do a deep fried mars bar uh i believe yes i believe oh, they, wow. I, like um <laughs> Yeah, I, they 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 did. I think when they first started, they did do like a deep fried bills bar. I'm not sure if it's currently on their menu, <laughs> but it's 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 their menu is like changing like week on week. So there's yep. always something new on there. But um, no, they're Fantastic. great guys. It's a lot of fun. Oh, well, <laughs> sounds awesome. Sounds awesome. Cool. Right. Okay, awesome. I'm going to uh, dive into the second beer, Scoosh. Nice. Cool. Uh, so I'm just going to open that. As as you said, that's got a, a massive dolphin on there which, yes. as you said, is still up for uh, naming. Yeah, ab- absolutely, absolutely. Anybody wants to, want to name the <laughs> XL Dolphin, then just send oh. your send your ideas in to either XL or to me. Yeah, for sure. And we'll, we'll see what uh, people can come up with. Right, okay, let's pull this. So this is a session um, pale, a session IPA, 4.2%. Tell us about this one. This is like our flagship beer. Um, it's, it's the beer that... Um, it's probably by, by a pretty long way our, our kind of bestseller and it's something that we've yeah we've worked on a lot we're constantly looking at ways that we can kind of improve it and re- really happy with how it's tasty at the moment so it's um it's another beer that's in sort of like hazy sort of like new england styles we've gone like uh, the idea behind it is we just wanted it to be like really balanced um we've gone for sort of like low low bitterness sort of me- medium body and we've just kind of created like a kind of malt build that like all, all of the hops that we like can sit on top of and you know just create a really juicy balanced sort of finished product um, okay what hops are in this one so uh yeah the hops that are in this are um like citra mosaic uh azaka and a hop called idaho seven um right. yeah uh, we use like a, a New England yeast in it that produces like um like a lot of kind of like fruity esters. Um, so like even like even before we do the dry hop, it's usually like smelling quite nice, kind of pear droppy, maybe like slightly stone fruity, which is all kind of like from the yeast. And I think just like we then dry hop it with about ten grams per liter of hops, which is like pretty large amount for like a four point two percent beer. So we dry hop it in like two stages. We do like um, an active fermentation dry hop uh, just a few points before it finishes. And that kind of allows a little bit of biotransformation to happen. So that's when uh, yeast kind of interact with, yeah, like some, some of the aromatic compounds in the hops and kind of uh, alter them. And we, we find that kind of just uh, enhances the kind of fruity kind of flavors and aromas that you get a little bit. And then we do uh, another post-fermentation dry hop after that, which is a few days later uh, before we crash the beer. Yeah, in terms of malt bill, it's almost all pale malt. In a similar kind of vein to what we, what I was saying with the dinky, um, so we we try to kind of keep the body like yeah, like quite kind of medium to full. And in order to do that, we um, we mash quite high. We want to create quite a lot of unfermentable sugars. Uh, we use a bit of dextrin malt, which um, will, will kind of help like raise the finishing gravity a little bit and it'll also kind of help a little bit with head retention so it was really important to us that when yeah when you pour the beer it's got kind of like a really kind of pillowy head <laughs> that kind of lasts for, for a while mm. so um yeah i think it kind of helps with that as well yeah um, and it's got a very dry finish so it, it, yeah you, you, you have a sip and almost immediately go in for another oh, yes um, so yeah. it's, it's an extremely drinkable beer oh fantastic good so i'm i'm, I'm glad 
oh, I'm glad you enjoy it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, no, absolutely. I I thought I find that with you know if a beer if you, if you're if the beer is spending very little time actually on on the, the surface on the table <laughs> is mostly in your hand back back and forth to your mouth then that's a very good sign yeah well excellent like um yeah th- that's 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 great to hear and um yeah, i think for also for us i think like you know like our, our pale ale is like a constant work in progress and as, as it's the beer that we sell the most of you know it's it's quite easy for us to kind of like you know we get to to gather a lot of feedback and then to do like the occasional trials so like well, the recipe 90% of the time is going to be the same, but because we sell so much every few months, we might be like, oh, okay, like what can we do to make this better? Maybe we could do, uh, yeah, like add, add a slightly different edition of hops in the whirlpool, or, or we can change the percentages of the hops that we're using in the dry hop or, or something like that. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's, it's great having a beer that you have a kind of large throughput of that allows you to make those kind of very subtle changes and then sort of get feedback about them uh quickly which is something that we wouldn't be able to do with a beer that we didn't sell quite as much of yeah <laughs> so no quite absolutely um okay fantastic well this is really good and really enjoying this um so i want to come on then to your location you mentioned of course the tap room that you've got yeah and you are part of the black horse beer mile we are indeed yeah like... and i mean you're alongside the likes of Wildcard, hackney brewery beerblefish and signature amongst others yeah. Now, I noticed, I was looking around Instagram and things like that, I noticed that there's a first birthday party on Sunday the 30th of April for the Black Horse Beer Mile, which is interesting because I actually spoke to Jager Wise from Wildcard a couple of years ago, and she was already referring to it as the Black Horse Beer Mile. I suppose maybe one year is how it's the anniversary of of it being an actual established thing rather than a concept that people are talking about. I see what you mean. Like I, yeah, you know, I think um, as soon as there was more than one brewery in in that the collection of uh, industrial estates that kind of constitutes the Black Horse BMR, you know, some people might have started throwing around that name and referring to it as that. But I guess the one year anniversary thing is referring to it's going to be a year since there was uh, like a Black Horse BMR sort of working group set up by right. yeah. members of, of all of those breweries. So and there was since like when a... it's more official, perhaps. Yeah, exactly. So so um, 30th of April last year, I think they had their first party. So the, the kind of group has been going on longer than that. And that's um, it's just a, a um, collection of representatives from each each of the breweries in Black Horse Road uh, as a vehicle to sort of promote what all of us do and to sort of create, a, I guess, like a sort of Savile Row effect in Black yeah. Horse Road for breweries. So yeah, the 30th of April last year was the um, first birthday of that kind of like official group thing. And um, it was actually the weekend before I started. But from what I hear, it was absolutely insane. I've heard, um, I've seen a couple of videos, I've heard pictures about, uh, and people telling me that it was like, yeah, like half an hour waiting at the bar to get a pint. And so it, was, it was probably, I think, more successful than anyone could have anticipated. So like, excellent. Yeah, that's so- really good. So it sounds like uh, on this thirtieth uh, of April this this year, we've got another another one of those great parties. If yeah, anybody gonna... wants to go down there, yes. then they're going to have some a great time. Uh, yeah, I'm sure they will, and um, I'm, I think we're we're gonna gonna have more pint glasses on hand, more staff, <laughs> probably mm. a second outside bar or something to yeah, yeah. like um, to to sort of you know pre- preempt like yeah that how how busy it's going to be this year. 
Be yeah, fun. absolutely. And I, I mean, I love the Bermondsey Beer Mile. And of course, you have worked at a few, a few yeah. of the places on the Bermondsey Beer Mile. But we all know, as well as we love the Bermondsey Beer Mile, that it's far more than a mile. If you actually start from the oh, yes. one end yeah. and go to the other end, it's it's stretching it a little bit for beer mile. Um, but of course, with, with the Black Horse Beer Mile, it is a lot more compact. So yes. it, it, it is more befitting of the name, I guess, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, uh, it, like in some ways, I mean, like, perhaps like the the sort of uh, Black Horse collection of industrial estates is, doesn't have the same kind of ring to it as Black Horse Beer Mile. <laughs> but, but like, yeah, it's yeah. All, all the breweries are, are a much closer walk to each other. So so we're um, like li- literally a five minute walk around the corner from Pretty Decent and Signature. And then we've got Hackney and Wildcard just about five minutes down the road from us, like next door. Mm. And um I think that perhaps, like, because it's kind of Walthamstow, Black Horse Road, there's a perception that because it's a little bit further out of London, it's more difficult to get to. But actually, like, you know, like, if you hop on the Victoria line at King's Cross, it's like you can kind of be in Black Horse Road in, like, 15 minutes. And okay. so it's still, like, it's, it's still very accessible. Yeah, and, and it's kind of easy to get to. It's just not next to a big train terminus like London Bridge. But, like, yeah, no, um, for sure. Sure. But and, as you uh, say, it, it does sound like it's as you as you said. If you just jump on uh, the Victoria Line, uh, not yeah. too far at all. And of course, if if people are going over that way, and all of the uh, breweries and t- brooms on the Black Horse Beer Mile aren't enough for them, then there's not too far to hop over the other side of the wetlands to Pressure Drop Andorra. Yes, I believe there's. I yeah. believe there's another small, small brewery that nobody's ever heard of over that oh, way. Oh, something town. Something yeah, like, town, yeah, town, town like, beers or something. Yeah, yeah but that will never catch on with them. So. Otter, Otter Town. Yeah, know. that's <laughs> the, that's the one. That's the one. That's um, the one. <laughs> but yeah, so you know, we've got Aura and Pressure Drop over that way too. Um, yeah, and you know, not too far away uh, from a few other places. So you know, absolutely to get to the area and spread a, a little bit further afield maybe jump on it in a taxi or something there's plenty of plenty of stops yeah i mean in april when when we have this kind of first anniversary thing actually that's a very good point like the wetlands are a, a lovely walk yeah so like if you want to come and visit the breweries in black horse road and then have like a little 20 minute walk so that's like a little time out over some nice wetlands and yeah. go and try some pressure drop beers or some more of beers, then like that's that's a great um great route to take sort of thing it's yeah yeah it's, yeah, yeah. Excellent. Um, cool. Okay, so 30th of April, um, if anybody wants to go to that. Right, okay, so moving on then, because obviously we've talked about the taproom, but recent news, and I mentioned it on the last episode of the podcast, is that you're opening a pub called the Three Colts Tavern in Bethnal Green. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. We, we are. Excellent. Yeah, we're hoping to be opening it uh, towards the end of February, early March. I don't think we have a, a definitive sort of official opening date yet mm-hmm. but yeah we'll we'll definitely be posting it all over our social media channels as soon as um as soon as we do but it's definitely going to be yeah soon yeah <laughs> in, excellent yeah, within the next few weeks and i mean i'm reading uh that it's got 14 that we'll have 14 lines of keg and cask beer and of course cocktails natural wines for those who don't want to drink beer yeah um then shuffleboard always good fun when you're having a few beers yeah um, and some pizza which would be yep. great. But one of the questions is um, because Bethnal Green is quite away from Walthamstow. It's not as yes. if it's like one of the round the corner. Why, why yeah. this pub? Why why Bethnal Green? Maybe I'll start first by kind of saying that, like, I think we didn't want to open another tap room that was like very uh, specifically 
just an outpost of, of kind of exile. I think the idea much more was to kind of open a pub that just happened to sell a lot of XL beers. You know? um, yeah. Our, our tap room is, is very unique and it kind of does what it does like really, really well, but we wanted to go for a kind of different atmosphere and a sort of uh, a, a different kind of feel that um, didn't feel like it was a kind of branding exercise in XL and was kind of, um, you know, ramming pink dolphins down people's throats and, <laughs> you know, like d- d- doing that kind of thing in, in a pub. We, I think um, all of the team at XL, we, we really like cozy pubs with like well-kept cast beer and, and sort of like nice food. So we wanted to open somewhere that was like that, that just, um, you know, it's, it's going to sell a lot of our beer, but it's certainly by no means just going to sell the XL beers. It's mm. going to sell like a lot of other lo- like local, local cask, other local breweries. And, and it's something that, that we hope that, you know, you can kind of, um, you can kind of go there to party, but you can also go there in the middle of the day and just like, nurse a pint and do a little bit of work on your laptop or read a book or something for yeah for a few hours so yeah I think uh, yeah we, we just wanted it to be like uh, distinct from Excel while still being yeah. a part of it yeah <laughs> like so, that's, that's yeah. fair enough but of course now that you've got this pub yeah this is an opportunity for you to brew beer to go into cask then Oh, for sure. Yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to that. Um, we actually did our first cast beer towards the end of last year. Um, we did a dark mild called Mob Rules. And um, it's something that we've been wanting to do for ages. Um, yeah. But just uh, lo- like logistically, well, like ha- had been a little bit difficult. But we, we decided that, um, you know, like logistics aside, and even if it was like a little bit more difficult and a little bit more work to sort of make it happen um it was really worthwhile doing something just before christmas so uh yeah we we made a dark miles we did a little event at the cock tavern um in hackney so just sort of down the road from bethnal green where we had that on um we, we also wrapped a few of our core range beers like una which i think you're probably gonna drink in a minute and scooch yeah. <laughs> uh in, into cask speci- specifically for that event so that's definitely something that I'm hoping we can do a little bit more of uh, once the three cults opens. So I'm sure you'll probably see a few of our core beers as like one-off cask releases at the three cults, as well as you know the occasional special that we do, which we're going to put into cask. So we're brewing special next week with a brewery called Ignition Brewery, who are in Sydney. Oh, yeah. yeah. And um, they're, they're a social enterprise. They ensure that people who have learning difficulties paid London living wage and they train them how to brew and how to work behind the bar. Been a fan of what, what they do for quite a while. So we kind of reached out to them before Christmas and asked if they'd be interested in doing a collaboration together. Excellent. Um, and it turned out to be really kind of fortuitous for both of us because they are about to open a, another bar in in Lewisham Hospital. And I think it's... Uh, wow, okay. It, it's, uh, I don't think it's going to be open to the public, sadly, <laughs> like it's, but it's going to be um, like a, a bar. Just the patients. Well, yeah, just the patients. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I think, uh, I guess, like, I didn't actually realise how big hospitals, like, how many staff they employ. Oh, it didn't yeah. really occur to me. But, um, yeah, but it's it can be, be massive. Exactly. So apparently, yeah, there, there, there had been a sort of um, staff canteen slash bar for a while, but they've, they've teamed up and it's going to be run by ignition wow. so, um, so that's interesting it, yeah but um anyway sorry that's a bit of a digression but i brought no, it up it's okay because um the, the collaboration we're going to do with them is going to be a best fitter and we'll certainly be racking at least half of that batch into casks so yeah we'll definitely have that on at three cults and we'll probably get out to yeah like 
some cask cask heavy accounts that we know are going to keep it really well we'll be sending a bunch of those out so fantastic yeah that'll be great it'll probably be the last kind of batch of casks we do for a little while probably until like late summer autumn but um but yeah really looking forward to it so super right okay let's crack into una then yeah awesome cool so pouring this one out then this is again going up a notch or two again uh it's a nipa 5.8 percent looking very good lovely head retention yeah very pale um, yeah nice kind of like moosey moosey kind of head yeah indeed mm, yeah yeah that's lovely so yeah looking at, at the hops you got talus in this one we do got talus and sabro so some um yeah, maybe very divisive. Yeah, I was gonna say, yeah, potentially polarizing uh, kind of hops there. Yeah, we're, we're we're kind of fans, and I think um, for Scoosh, we've gone for quite a kind of classic kind of combination of of hops. Um, they're all kind of like big hitting, kind of tropical things. And for Una, like we wanted to kind of give it a hop profile where it had quite a noticeable kind of like point of difference to some of the other pale ales like in our range. Yeah, so. I think for, for all of our kind of core pale beers, we wanted to to make sure that they were demonstrably different beers. So that's why we've tried to use a lot of Southern Hemisphere kind of hops in Dinky. Scoosh, we've gone through like a kind of classic Citra Mosaic, you know, Zachary Idaho 7 or slightly newer, but quite a classic kind of hop combination. And then for this, we thought let's let's embrace kind of Sabro and Talus and that kind of like coconutty, pina colada sort of goodness. Yeah. Um, I mean, like you, I'm a fan. So um, nice. <laughs> yeah, you're preaching to the converted. I know that there are a lot of people that don't have any love at all for those hops, but uh, yeah. yeah, I love it. What, while it is kind of just aroma, I think it's one of the more kind of like full body beers that we make. It finishes like really high. It finishes about 10, 15. And um, I, I think that kind of like coconut aroma almost kind of creates more of a perception of creaminess, like in the body as mm. well, like as you're kind of drinking yeah. it, it, it's um, yeah. Um, so I think it kind of works really well there. It's also like the most like heavily hopped like beer that we make. I think it, it's, it's, it's about 14 grams per liter. It's like really you know, like some ridiculous <laughs> amount um so like yeah we've uh it, it was uh it was the kind of brainchild of uh, of bruno who's our other brewer at xl so um i think it started off as a slightly higher strength uh special just before i started called moonglow and then um mark myself everyone maybe had a little bit of input into it into kind of like honing it into to the beer that it currently is but yeah i, I thought um it, it was it was a great sort of first recipe from from Bruno. He's our other brewer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, no, it's, it's a good job from him. Absolutely. So I'm going to carry on enjoying this, but I'm just sure. going to go back to the cans mm. because besides having those unique shaped labels and the amazing artwork, there are also Spotify playlists. Oh yeah, people <laughs> just scan in. So each beer. <laughs> has its own playlist on Spotify. It does. It does indeed. Even our specials. So like everyone has has a Spotify playlist that uh it, it has just like good tunes to be listening to while you're drinking the beer or okay. in some way ref is yeah like epitomizes the, the <laughs> like the beer that you're drinking. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna yeah. try I'm gonna try to yeah. scan this one. Where's the I'm on Spotify. Where's scan go? Uh maybe search. Oh yeah search and then there's a camera. So if you go to search, then you get the camera and there you go, scanned it. 
and the playlist is oh, I yes, love yes. my East Coast classics. <laughs> and you've got uh, it's it, obviously it's a rap playlist on this one. You've got Notorious B.I.G., <laughs> 50 Cent, Wu Tang yeah, yeah, Clan. Yeah. You've got uh, the Fugees. <clears throat> you've got yeah, Ready or Not by the Fugees. Great track that one. Tribe called Quest. Yeah, um, yeah, absolutely. A lot of um, a lot of that kind of stuff. But obviously, I, I guess different types of play. There's different types of music on on different cans. Yeah, I think um, like yeah, we we did a a World Cup beer recently, for example, uh, in December, and I think the playlist for that was all kind of uh, sort of like funk from the Middle East <laughs> and that kind of oh, thing. Right. So okay. yeah, they definitely vary in genre quite a bit. But um, was that the Flaming Cane Arabian? It was Black the Flaming Cane, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. That, okay. That's the one. Um, interesting, interesting. Uh, I mean, that's quite an interesting sounding beer. Um, yeah. It was. It was one of the beers that uh, Mark was very kind to send me. Oh, uh, a nice big uh, box of beers, uh, the three that we're drinking today and several others. And yeah. looking at that, Arabian Black Lime Lager, I've got to say, that's a first on me. You know, and that's great because getting those, the specials is not just like, oh, our special is another NEPA or a West Coast IPA. It's something, it's, I've never heard of that. Um, and it's going to be interesting to to try that one yeah for sure i mean um to, to, to be perfectly honest with you i i did not know what black limes were before that uh got suggested and, and um some, something that mark is really great at is he, he's also a massive massive foodie always kind of experimenting with recipes and stuff and he comes up with some uh some really unique suggestions for beers that like i i never would have considered like and um <laughs> so he's like let's do this thing with black limes and i was like oh what like what are black limes? And uh, he's like, I'll tell you. And, they're like, limes okay, that are black. <laughs> well, yes, they're, they're like these limes that have been like sun dried, and like, it's, really? you wouldn't, yeah, you wouldn't expect them to go black, but you like dry them in the sun. They kind of like shrivel up to be these like little desiccated things that um, they kind of look like tiny snooker balls or something, and um, <laughs> they have a really unique kind of taste to them. Like you'd think that. Like it's like slightly kind of acrid and and burnt, but also still like uniquely lime, and that's probably a terrible description. But we um, <laughs> before we made the beer, like we we made like a cordial just to sort of well decide whether we wanted to use it, and also if we did, like the kind of rate that we should be like dosing it in to to like a lager to sort of get the same yeah to, to get the flavor that we wanted and like just just drink it by itself it's like makes like it makes like an amazing sort of like thing to have with tonic water or something you get this mm. you know like it, it's like putting lime in your water but there being this kind of like like slightly kind of like burnt quality to it as well but in a, okay. in, a in a good way it's like there's yeah. been this kind of like not, malliard reaction thing happening not a spoiled like, burn but a but a kind no. of smokiness maybe yeah or? exactly like it's like like a kind of smokiness yeah, yeah. um right. and Yes, we, we we added, I think in the end it was about like three kilos of black limes into the whirlpool and um, they're, they're, they're quite difficult things. You can't really just pour them in because I don't think you'd extract very much flavour. So when we brewed this beer, we um, we spent like like the hour and a bit while, while the beer was boiling, sort of grinding up black limes in a, in a sort of <laughs> pestle and mortar and then like pouring them into like a bucket that we'd then throw into the whirlpool. But, um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, um, anyway, so that was, again, sorry, a bit of a digression. But like, no, 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 uh, it's, it's a very interesting story. I, yeah. I saw that and I, I did wonder about that. But yeah, back onto the playlist. I've now scanned the playlist for Skoosh and it's very eclectic. 
you've got the likes of the Velvet Underground, Edwin Starr, but also another one, Bites the Dust from Queen. Um, <laughs> nice. cool. Dear Doctor from the Rolling Stones, and You Can't Touch This from MC Hammer. So many others. Rapper's Delight as well, Sugar Hill Gang. Brilliant. Okay. <laughs> no Diggity, Straight Out of Compton. Yeah. Literally, yeah, a, quite quite a uh, an eclectic playlist. But that's a really <laughs> yeah. good thing to do, so, to curate that kind of playlist for people to sit there and listen to as they drink their beer. Yeah, and I think it's just it's just like a nice bit of fun to like, yeah, have have a little extra fun thing on a can that that people can kind of involve themselves in. So yeah. if you do go to the park and you're happy a picnic, you can kind of scan our playlist instead of uh, fighting with your friends about what to listen to. You know, it's yeah. like yeah, so yeah, it's, it's cool. And not happy to, to have just unique shaped labels, wonderful artwork, Spotify <laughs> playlists. You've also got food pairing suggestions. Yes. yes so in, in Scoosh, I'm reading Scoosh now Caesar <laughs> salad, Thai green curry, scampi fries. I'm sure, <laughs> I'm sure that's scampi fries, but I'm, that, that's been massive on Twitter lately, scampi fries. Oh, really? Um, okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and on Una, I mean, I'm loving the first suggestion, clam chowder. I do love a good clam chowder. Nice. Cheeseburgers, uh, pickled... Pickled onion monster Pickled monster onion monster munch. The, yeah. fonts, the font is uh, difficult <laughs> to read. The font is a little difficult to read, yeah. Yeah. But then, no, pickled onion monster munch. So it's, it's really good because you've got, I guess, the first one or two are serious suggestions yeah. with then a little bit of a tongue-in-cheek twist on the last ones. But for sure. I mean, um, I don't know, like, I, I think... Like I was saying earlier, like we, we don't want to try and be too highbrow or try and be, be something that we're not. And while you can, I think these beers can be paired with like the best food available and you know, you, you can yeah. drink them alongside some like Michelin style like tasting menu. Like, you know, a lot of the time you're going to be eating, drinking them with a pack of crisp. So, <laughs> so yeah. why not include a crisp pairing like as part of your food pairings? It kind of makes sense, right? Like <laughs> Absolutely. Um, and the, the crisp pairing on Dinky is salt and vinegar squares. There you uh, go. <laughs> yes, yes. Like, um, yeah, and we're, we're, uh, we have a lot of Monster Munch and Scampi Fries in the tap room. Like, we get through quite a lot of those. So I think they're, they're high on everyone's, uh, yeah, like, crisp preference list. <laughs> but yeah. And why not? And why not? Yeah. <laughs> I also noticed that... Exile have uh, sponsored Walthamstow FC. Yes, yeah, we. we I think we Interesting. have. Interesting. Uh, yeah, just for just over a year, and I think it just kind of ties in with all the other stuff we were talking about about like making sure that, that there is like growth within our company for people who might just be starting out, and there's educational opportunities. Trying to create a space for you know, like like local residents and make it a, a kind of community atmosphere in our tap room, and this is just like one other way to sort of sort of give something back to the community that we're a part of and to yeah do do something else <laughs> like a, a local yeah. organization fantastic yeah, yeah um and it's great they they um so yeah they've, they've always got xlb pouring at all the matches that they have yeah um, they're all very lovely people so like yeah um no, it's, it's a great great organization to support so, yeah yeah yeah. So, like, yeah excellent i have a little feature on the podcast where I ask the guest to pose a question to the next guest. It's always blind. They never know who it is they're going to be posing the question to. Now, as it happens, your question is from Andy Parker 
from Elusive oh, cool. Friends. <laughs> awesome, cool. That's, and, I, and I didn't work it out like that at all. It's yeah. just the way it happens. <laughs> we were talking, Andy had a question posed to him about malt and about why people don't get so excited about malt. A beer will always say that it's a this hop, that hop, yeah, IPA or whatever. But very rarely, I mean, yes, it'll list the ingredients on there and the malts will be listed, but very rarely will somebody say, oh, this is a caramel, you know, this is this uses crystal. They basically, you know, the, the, the guy who poses questions. To hops pretty a much, bit, maybe, yeah. Pretty much. So Andy was asked that question about why malt doesn't get the recognition it deserves. Yeah. And Andy answered the question and chose to pass his next question along to you. Why don't we talk more about the role that yeast plays in beer? Okay, goodness. Yeah, that's a good good question. I guess because like big American hops are such a like fundamental part of like hoppy styles of beer, that's something that is like easy for a, a lot of people to sort of talk about and to, to sort of latch onto. And malt and yeast tend to be more subtle and in, in well can can be, not necessarily, but like um yeah, like a, a little bit more subtle in, in kind of what they bring. And I think more of a confident conversation is beginning to happen with yeast so you're kind of beginning to see it with New England IPAs and people kind of opting for um, strains of yeast that are kind of less flocculent kind of have like higher ester production Mm. like um, whereas that wouldn't have been the case like maybe like like six or seven years ago like you know everyone was making IPAs with these very clean yeasts that are very neutral they already have a lot of their own character they're just a kind of um blank canvas for the hops to sort of yeah malt to do their thing on uh I think now people are are kind of looking at strains of yeast that yeah like bring more than that to the table they're not just attracted to eat sugar they're like a yeah they, they bring their own flavors and aromas that that you can use in combination with the hops and malt that you're using. But I do think that there's like, I think there are a lot of Belgian strains of yeast that are really underappreciated, yeah. um, that, that have some like really lovely kind of phenolic kind of character to them, which are definitely kind of underused, I think, in, in um, certainly in a lot of UK breweries. I never really see that many sort of Belgium inspired beers coming out. And mm. I, but then I kind of wonder like perhaps yeah, like that is because Belgium is literally on our doorstep. So like we, we have access to these other breweries that have been doing that for a long time. And like for sure, for sure, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think that like um for hoppier like styles of IPA, like really hop forwards, kind of like beer styles, th- there was a tendency probably about like five or six years ago to, to sort of only or, or very rarely would you see somebody not use just like a clean sort of like west coast kind of american yeast that was very neutral in character and didn't really um and just i don't think there's anything wrong with those kind of yeasts um i I think they're great because they they kind of take a back seat to like and allow the molten hops to kind of sing and to do their thing sometimes you you know if you if you try and put big flavors and aromas from from everything like from from the malt and the hops and the yeast into a beer it's kind of like all of the all of the flavors are shouting yeah (laughs) yeah you, you can't hone in on like one thing so there's nothing wrong with using those, but yeah, I think a while ago those were almost ex- exclusively only used. Now people are thinking a, a little bit more about how can we make these things work together. People might be using kind of like more, yeah, like strains of yeasts 
in hop forward beers that maybe have higher ester production at, at, that, that works with the hops or they might be, be looking at yeah like when they dry hop you know maybe they might be looking at yeast strains that have um that, that are kind of known to have some sort of biotransformation sort of kind of going on I don't know. In conclusion, I think people are beginning to think more about the yeast. It's becoming less of an afterthought, less of a like, let's just focus on having like this this clean strain do this thing. And mm. people are beginning to experiment a bit more. I, I would say it's probably still limited to sort of like these kind of like estuary sort of like producing strains. There's less kind of experimentation that in in beers that I see in the UK at least with kind of. Um, yeah, I'd like I'd like to see more stuff done with sort of like wheat beer strains, maybe with some mm-hmm. Belgian strains. Um, that yeah. I think you get some really lovely like uh, kind of phenolic flavors and aromas from from those kind of yeast strains. I don't know. Hopefully that will happen. I mean, we um, we've currently brewed a wit beer for like the spring with uh, like forest herb, well not forest with, with uh, herbs that are kind of flowering at this time of year. So we've used like heather mm. flowers and rose hips uh, and and some lemon verbena. Okay. With a with a uh, traditional kind of like wizen strain to try and make a whip, yeah, I think yeah, you know, like the traditional kind of uh, phenolics that you get from those kind of yeast strains, like clove, you know, maybe a little bit of banana, work really well with with herbs. And um, you know, I think you and you still get this kind of very like aromatic beer, but it's not like it's not coming from big hops from America. It's like a, a slightly different take on making a sort of hazy beer with big aroma and big flavor but not with being yeah necessarily with hops <laughs> like, yeah, and yeah i yeah. think maybe I, I think there's um a lot of room for experimentation there that could yield some some really good results <laughs> fantastic yeah. excellent well that's great so do you have a question that you'd like me to ask the next guest uh, all right how's this so cost of living has kind of been something that's been very prevalent in the in the news and stuff recently energy prices are going up everybody's prices of raw materials have gone up like malt hops those kind of things what kind of like innovative practices do you think breweries are going to start making to kind of still create very high quality products but w- with without having to pass 100 percent of those costs onto onto customers or, or their wholesalers yeah, I, I guess right. that, would, that would maybe be my question. <laughs> okay, no, it's a, and that's a very good question, very, very relevant, and it, it'd be very interesting to see um, what that answer is. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I feel like, I almost feel guilty having, like, imposed that on your next guest. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, they can handle it, they can handle it, don't worry. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Um, oh, well, Josh, it's been fantastic chatting with you. Thank you for yeah. being very generous with your time tonight and uh been a great chat really enjoyed it really enjoyed the beers as well i'm really enjoying una Gonna fantastic great finish and that this... off after we finish uh, talking yeah brilliant i mean it's been an absolute pleasure paul thank you for having me on and um I, i've i've really enjoyed it i think you asked some really pertinent questions so it's been been good to actually think about them myself and, and talk to someone about it. <laughs> excellent yeah. excellent cool. and uh, yeah i mean i'm not i'm i'm south of london not uh, not in the north end but or east, but yeah. uh, it's not as you said. It's not too far. King's Crossing on the Victoria Line, so I'm sure I'll be paying the Black Horse Beer Mile and, of course, Exhale Brewery in particular a visit very soon. Absolutely, well, can't wait to have you. Um, yeah, let us know when you pop in, and 
I can't wait to talk to you in person. <laughs> absolutely, yeah. absolutely. We'll do. Look forward to that. So thanks again for your time tonight. But thank you, Paul. Thanks. Great chat there with Josh. And thanks to Josh for stepping in at the very last minute. I was going to be chatting with Mark Hislop, managing director of the brewery, but as he was unwell, Josh stepped in. I hope you're feeling better, Mark, and thanks again for the box of tremendous beers. The three I had while chatting with Josh were very nice indeed, and I'm really looking forward to cracking into the others. I did mention that I would put their illustrator's details in the show notes, which I will, but just to mention her. She is Inga Ziemele. I hope I pronounced that correctly, Inga. She is Latvian, but based in London, locally to XL, as Josh said. And she has also worked for the likes of Nike, Jameson, Spotify, Adobe, and Vodafone. Her website is inga.land, and her Twitter and Instagram accounts are at inguna, and I'll spell that for you because it's I-N-G-U-U-U-N-A. A reminder also that the Black Horse Beer Mile first birthday celebration party is on Sunday 30th of April. And also, if you fancy suggesting a name for the giant dolphin that features on the Scoosh can artwork, as well as on the cold water tank at the brewery, you can send your ideas to me on Twitter at BeerPrimeUK or to XL at XL Brewing. Just for fun though, no prizes for the winner, if indeed any suggestion is chosen. Unless, of course, XL decide to reward a great name. But that's all up to them. Kudos is all that I'm promising here. That's all we have time for in this episode. My next guest is Tom Fozard from North Yorkshire's Roosters Brewery, who are celebrating their 30th anniversary this year. Very much looking forward to that. So join me in two weeks' time. Cheers.